Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grid, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. Welcome into the blackout show. We lost Gonzo. We we started 10 seconds ago and Gonzo just disappeared. He's that nervous because we have two very, very special, incredible guests on tonight's show. For Justin Lee, I'm Slavko Bekovic. Eventually, Gonzo's going to show up. He just got so nervous because we have the incredible burgers joining us tonight on the blackout show. Jake and Ashton, thank you guys so much for joining us. How are things? How has your offseason been? What's new? It's been uh, obviously a whirlwind of a year, but, um, you know, finally uh, catching our breath a little bit and uh, our son Brooks just turned one. And, uh, so that's been really exciting and starting to form his own opinions about certain things. So uh, trying to deal with that, uh, it's been fun. Yes. So who's the best basketball player of all time? Is it Jordan or LeBron? What does Brooks think? Coming out hot. <laughs> I mean... I- yeah, that's, that's right away, man. That's that's crazy. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm teaching him. I mean, dude, watching Jordan play, you know, growing up, I think uh, I think I'm gonna have to side with that. But I mean, smart choice for our viewers. Yeah. Smart choice. <laughs> Ashton, how's the off season been for you? It's been really nice having Jake home. I have my designated chef back three and a half months. Um, it's just really nice to have Jake home, like all the, just to be home and like being home feels like a vacation. Like we don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to do anything. We just want to be home. So it's nice to not be packing every three days and repacking every three days. And I love the off season's really nice, but it's like, I'm kind of itching for the baseball season now. Oh, you're tired of them already? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just, I'm ready to like kind of go. I'm like, be honest here on the couple more weeks and then let's go. <laughs> So what is the offseason like for both of you? Obviously, you guys get to spend a lot more time with each other. But Jake, you know, with your offseason workouts, do you put the bat down at all once the season's over? Or are you just kind of like grind it out 365? Yeah, I try and take like a month just to kind of recover everything. Your your hands and wrists especially, I feel like, get, get beat up the most. You don't really realize that until you get back into the cage and you swing. You're like, oh, like that didn't feel good. Um, but so basically, I'll, I take about 10 days off of uh, strength training and um, other things where I can just kind of chill, like let my body recover, um, still like ride the bike and do some small uh, cardio stuff. But um, at that 10 day mark, I'm back in the gym working out. And, um, you know, I, I think for me this year, it, it always changes a little bit just on what I want to focus on 
um, in that particular season. And for me, I feel like my swing's in a really good spot. So not putting swinging in the back burner, but you know, it's, it's more like, all right, I can allocate some more time. Um, and, and this year has been a really big focus on uh, third base defense and, um, you know, I've been able to get outside a lot. So that adds to uh, a little bit more of the, uh, the routine, um, in terms of time, but typically like nine to one is like my, like area, you know, and then, uh, the one to, uh, 7 PM is, uh, family time. And Ashlyn, you say you got your, your private chef back. What's, what's your specialty dish? What's, or what's your favorite dish that Jake makes? Fantastic at steak. And we've also been doing bison burgers every year. Oh yeah. And that has been phenomenal. So good. He smokes it. He does whatever he's doing out there. I have no idea. And it's just 10 out of 10 every time. Are you an outdoorsman, Jake? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm now that we're living in Tennessee, you know, I'm, I'm getting more of the edge. Um, my dad was a really good cook, uh, growing up. So I, I kind of got that edge from him. Um, but we never really got into uh, hunting or fishing or anything. But now that I'm in Tennessee, it's uh, it's a little easier to uh, see the beauty and the, the nature down here. Well, we got the third member of our, our show, Chris Gonzalez. Gonza, thank you for joining us. Uh, late as always, this kid. Never on time, I tell you. Uh, Jay, go ahead. You got the next question. So, uh, Jake, I, I want to ask you, because going from Chicago to Miami, obviously you see – the flair and the theatrics of baseball. You've been on both sides of it. Uh, you're more of a, a blue collar guy, you know, not a lot of rah-rah. Do you think the game uh, is better off, let's just say, playing your brand, or do you actually like the theatrics, even though you're not one of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think every single player should be who they are. and um, That's kind of how I've always viewed it. Like, I'm never going to get mad for a guy – hitting a ball 450 feet and pimping it around the bases. Like, dude, it's, this game's hard enough, you know? Um, and so I think I've always been under the impression of every single person has their own unique style that they bring to the game and everybody should play it in that particular way. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a lot different, like going from, you know, the city of Chicago and uh, everything that, that, that city brings to offer. And then you go to Miami and it's a completely different culture and a completely different vibe. And, um, you know, I felt like we fit in in both places. Like we liked like all the foods in, in both places. And, um, she likes the beach more than I do. So, uh, that was a, that was a big one for us. Whereas I, uh, I kind of like the, uh, this, the city vibe of Chicago, but, um, you know, it's, uh, Back to your point, I think it's, uh, you know, I think everybody has their own flair and they need to uh, bring that whenever they can. Jake, what uh, what improvements are you focused on going into 2024 um, as part of your game? Yeah, I think uh, I mentioned earlier, the the third base defense, I think, is uh, by far the, the most important for me. Um, you know, I felt... I feel like I played better, um, and then as my legs got tired, I played more games. As most games I played all year, I think uh, you know I lost a little bit of my quick quickness on first step and stuff, so I wasn't getting to as many balls. So it's been really mainly focused on that and pre-pitch and um, you know reactions and whatnot. So um, you know I think for for hitting wise, it's just 
I am who I am in terms of chase and, um, you know, I'm going to swing the bat. That's just kind of who I am. Um, and I, I think for me, it's just, if I can knock off like 2% of chase on certain pitches, I, I think that's uh, going to bode well for me uh, down the road. Are you much of an analytics guy? Do you get, you know, the numbers and the stats and do you like the video and, and getting all the data or do you just kind of do a feel or are you 50, 50? Where do you, where do you land? I think I'm, I think I'm, I side more on the analytics side, just um, in terms of, you know, I think this data is out here to be used and like, it, you just have to know how to use it. I think you can v very easily get wrapped up in it and uh, analyze something too much. But um, for, for me, it's, all right, like, let's see where my swing is at throughout the entire season and, and get these numbers once every two weeks um, just to see, all right, like my month of June was terrible. <laughs> like, honestly, like one of the worst months of baseball I played and it, it correlated to the data and um, the analytics. And so just trying to figure out how to get back into the groove of what I was in in uh, April and May. So that's what I use it for. And then the video aspect I think is huge because you can be tricked by your feel just because of how many games we play. It's your feel could feel different every single day and it could be the exact same swing or, you know, the feel, the feel could be the exact same every single day and your swings all out of whack constantly. So it's just, I think the video is a big, big importance as well. I really want to know where the speed came from and like, can you get any quicker than that right now? Like what went into going into this past season with um, that focus that you were able to get to that speed that just came out of nowhere, I felt. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've always had a little sneaky speed, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think part of it is I've played a lot of pickleball and tennis. Um, I played a lot of tennis, obviously, over the last like three or four years where I've talked about how that helped me come back from injury, but uh, I played a lot more pickleball as well. And so, um, getting that like first explosive step up to the net, I think added to it. And, uh, you know, I think I always have focused on the, the running aspect because I mean, dude, if you can beat out 10 infield knocks, I mean, that's the difference between hitting 250 and 248 at the end of the year, 247. So, and that 250 looks way better on paper, even though <laughs> a matter of a couple hits, you know? And so I, I think I always pride myself in, and that and being able to run hard uh whenever i can so uh jake me and my girlfriend we watch a lot of baseball together like i'm big into fantasy baseball so you know i gotta watch different guys take ten thousand cuts my girlfriend gives me a lot of advice on who to pick up on the waiver wire and stuff like that does ashlyn ever give you advice when you're in a video room and you say hey babe i need i need a, you know i need a i need another brain does she help you out in that aspect? Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll let her uh, tell the story. I'll, I'll preface it was it was at the end of the month of June that I was talking about that I was terrible, and I'm like, all right, like I've, I've exhausted like my main three resources that I talk to about what my swing feels like, and so I'm like, you know what? I, my wife watches me more than anybody else, so I'm gonna send this video, and so you can. Well, he sent me two videos. He goes, what's different? And I said, well, the only thing I've ever been looking at is your bottom. So <laughs> and it was truth. I was like, no, but really look, like, I'm not just joking. Look at like your lower half. Look at and that fixed it. So problem solved. Yeah. I think I hit a home run the next day and, uh, you know, I, 
I, I still, I do appreciate her. I probably shouldn't have told the media that because then uh, her head blew up. Like she's going to be the next uh, coach in the MLB, but uh, you know. Hey, you got to break barriers. Exactly. Really do. <laughs> but there's nothing else in the baseball realm that I remotely even understand. Like I, I, I didn't even know that he stole a bait. I mean, nothing. So I don't really. Oh yeah. He, he's, he's been awesome. Matter of fact, Ashlyn, 803 uh, OPS for runners in scoring position for Jake. So I want to thank you, Ashlyn, for any <laughs> advice you get. No problem. I don't know if that means sounds great. Well, I got to ask here in Chicago, it was obviously always fun to see Brooks and Ashlyn in the stands whenever the White Sox were playing. And it seemed like, you know, the nickname Dad Power came, at least we used it all the time. Because every time Brooks was in the stands, it seemed like you hit a home run. Yeah. What what went into the discussion of like, all right, let's start taking him to games super early? Uh, and Ashton, what was the what was the reaction like for you being there and having the fans kind of recognize you guys and then Jake hitting bombs in front of his kid? Well, I think there's just it was never a thing like, hey, are we gonna bring him? It was like, hey, where are you playing? Cool, we're gonna be there. And so nice. Jake didn't start on the team, and so we were packing up the house. And we were living in Florida at the time to go up to Charlotte. The first Charlotte homestand was like the second week, I think. Like you didn't start on the road, something like that. So I was still at home. And he's like, calls me and goes, hey, I'm I'm flying to Pittsburgh. So Brooks and I got on the first flight and we were there. And that was his first MLB game. And I mean, I just didn't imagine a world where our kids wouldn't basically live at a ballpark. So it was just, I think that first game was for Brooks first MLB game and you hit a home run in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. And that was just so cool. And then first time in Chicago and it never gets old. It's always really exciting. Like even, I mean, it's always exciting. I love it. I miss the fireworks so much. But, <laughs> Me um, too. <laughs> I miss the fireworks, but I love it. I love being there. And then it's really a different experience when you've got a bunch of people that are sitting there alongside you that are also rooting for the person that's your best friend. And so that's a really cool thing. And I'm excited for Brooks and all the kids that we have to like be able to experience that. They're like, Oh, these people like root for your dad. Also, they also sometimes are unhappy with him, but that's just, you know, how it goes. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm upset that, uh, it seemed like every single game they came to, I played well, and uh, they missed the 0 for 5, 5 strikeout game in Cleveland. It's like, these guys got to erase that one. You, too, you know? <laughs> Can't you see the good stuff? <laughs> Jake, I, I feel like during this contention window that Han termed that there has always been controversy with um, coaches that have come in with Tony La Russa and then Pedro losing 100 games in his first year. I was curious, um, can you tell us a little bit like the difference between young managers um, from going from Pedro to Skip Schumacher and what those guys' um, differences for like, you know, a veteran manager, Hall of Fame manager and Tony La Russa? Yeah, I mean, I've, what, I've played, I've like not even three full years, you know, and I've had three different managers already. And um, so I, th I think you gain a lot of perspective on how, each individual um, foresees the future and um, wants to move forward. Um, you know, fortunately, Skip <clears throat> played under Tony La Russa for so many years. And so um, I already had an instant connection, um, obviously, from playing with Tony, for Tony and then uh, going over to Miami with Skip. And um, he's got a lot of that old school uh, mentality in baseball. And, um, but 
has a lot of feel and understands uh, the clubhouse really well. And, um, so that was, that was awesome to uh, get that opportunity with them. Um, I'm excited for next year with them. And so Pedro, Pedro is awesome too. Like I, I never had an issue with them. He, he knew how to motivate guys. It was just one of those things where it just felt like we were snake bit all year. And um, you know, it's just, it's part of the game. It's, it's a lot of ebbs and flows, you know, and um, it felt like this year, every, every flow went negatively against, uh, against us. Um, you know, especially when we were, we run into the buzzsaw of the Rays, you know, when they're on that winning streak and then we have to go to Toronto and um, run into the three best pitchers and run into the buzzsaw of the Rays back in Chicago, you know, and it's like, it's hard to uh, constantly, you know, feel positive about going into these games when you're uh, playing against a team that's hot like that. Luis Robert, Jorge Soler, even Jake Berger. Who, this year, who was the best hitter you could say you had as your teammate, in your opinion? You know who, I guess power-wise, just raw power, like Luis Robert by far. Um, you know, I think when he controls the zone, it's like, it's game over. Like nobody can get him out and every single ball he touches is like 15 rows deep at guaranteed rate. Um, I think overall hitter, just Luis Arise was unbelievable. And, you know, he was such a thorn in our side when he was in Minnesota. Um, and yeah, (laughs) dude, it was like, it was unbelievable. You, you just stand there. It's like, how what is going on? This guy, you look at the scores like four for five every game. You're like, Holy cow. Um, and then I finally got to play with him and uh, we were locker partners in, in the clubhouse in Miami and just kind of bouncing ideas off of him. And, you know, I think he helped me uh, a lot with just kind of being able to make more consistent contact. So that was, that was incredible, but watching what he does, it, nobody can emulate that. I think it's just such a special talent and um, you know, he's, he's, definitely one of the uh, top headers in the game. Jake, I want to, I want to stay right here because we are talking about Skip Schumacher and uh, Luis Arias. It seems like the mentality of the Marlins team, we're going to make as much contact as we can. We're going to put the ball in play and we're going to get on the bases and start some traffic. Is that a mentality? Who, who's responsible for that brand of baseball down there? Yeah. I mean, I think Skip is vital in that. Um, And, Brent Brown, who is the hitting coach, he's now in Seattle, um, and John Mabry were the two hitting coaches there. And um, I think they always emphasize that, um, especially for when Josh Bell and I come in, it was like, hey, you guys are big, strong dudes. Like, just be able to, you know, control the zone a little more and uh, make more contact, and your numbers are going to fly through the roof. And, um, you know, just working on that mechanically and, yeah, I mean, it felt like every single inning we had we had a guy on, um, and especially being in the middle of the lineup, it's uh, it's really you know exciting when you you have a guy on third base with less than two outs, and you, all you have to do is hit a sack fly, and um, you know you don't have to do too much, and I think that turns into a lot more positive results because you're not trying to do anything other than just hit a fly ball to center field. Um, so yeah, I mean that was the mentality right when I got there, and um, it was really cool to have that. Um, that thought process because, you know, every single organization teaches everything differently, you know, every, everybody mm-hmm. has a, a, a different th- thought on it. And so just being able to pull some stuff that I had from the White Sox and then uh, lump it in with what I learned from the Marlins, it was, uh, it, I learned a lot this year. 
Take us into the mind of the burgers, not just Jake, not just Ashlyn, the whirlwind at the trade deadline, the shock that I think a lot of people felt, obviously you guys included. What did those couple days feel like to you? Like, what's the recollection that you have? The surprise, were you surprised? And then take us through what it was like your first day in Miami. Now you're not a member of the White Sox. You've been there since you were drafted. Now you're on this new team and there's a certain level of expectation when, you know, you trade for a player, they want you to come in in Miami and hit bombs. So take us through those couple days. What was it like for you guys individually and as a family? It was a whirlwind. <laughs> and the only way to describe it is right before you're about to start your senior year of high school, your parents tell you you're moving and you got to go to a new school. I mean, that's just the only way to describe what it felt like from yeah. me and I didn't even have to go to work the next day <laughs> yeah it was, it was crazy it like was, it was so unexpected yeah so obviously deadlines going on there's like rumors flying everywhere but there was nothing anywhere remotely close to, to me maybe there were a few but I nobody had mentioned them to me um and I actually sat down and the, the rangers away the visiting clubhouse is like the best clubhouse by far it's 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 incredible it's um, brand new yeah so <laughs> so we me and gavin sheets we're gonna play like a game of madden i was gonna play as the packers he's gonna play as the ravens and um we're literally loading into the game and i get a phone call um and it's like hey like you, you've been traded to the marlins and then i go in and talk to pedro and uh give her a call right after and i'm like all right like it up. We're, we're waiting on, obviously, there's like a lot of like paperwork, I guess, that has to go through. So it takes a little bit. So you're just kind of sitting there for like an hour and a half waiting on MLB to like, okay, the trade. And she's like, I'm in the lineup tonight, but so I have to stay mentally prepared for that. But I'm also just told that I'm like gone. I'm, I'm going to Miami to play the Phillies in a, in a wild card race. So it's like, you have to really like try and prioritize. All right. Like this is who I need to talk to. This is what I need to do if this happens or if it doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's a lot of just waiting around, but, um, uh, I called her and she can talk about the, uh, the process at, at the hotel. Yeah. I mean, we had to pack up. Well, I had to pack up <laughs> the whole hotel because I didn't know, you know, when we go to a hotel, it's like, not like, just the leisure it's like we've got a crib we've got a baby station we've got a changing station we've got you unpack and you get comfortable in your mini apartment for four days and then you've got to pack back up so i'm trying to pack up the room i have 400 and something text messages i have now 30 flights through the end of the season i have to start changing and canceling um and then we've got to go to Miami so we, we with a baby. So we fly to Miami. Jake goes to the field, and I have to now get a rental car in a new city, in a new place that I've never been to, and move into a new hotel, coordinate getting all of our stuff from Chicago, and then trying to find a place to live in Miami. So there's a lot of, like, those little – Yeah, off the field. Things. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't – she made it really easy for me where she, she knew how – you know, big of a whirlwind it was for me when I get to the field and stuff. And she took care of basically everything else where it's like, all right, just go do your thing. Um, and so that was my, very thankful for, for her and, um, you know, her willingness to put up with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you get, 
we're on the flight uh, to Miami and I'm like, all right, I'm playing the Phillies. Like, you know, I'm going to wear a different number, a different uniform. I'm going to have no, none of my friends, you know, I'm going to have to make new relationships with everybody. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you go out there and just have as much fun as you can, um, you know, just play the game, how it's supposed to be played. And, um, you know, I felt like, I did that from, from day one and uh, which it's really funny. I think, I don't know if I think it helped us or not um, was that we were going right back to Texas. And so we left some of our suitcases in the hotel in Texas. (laughs) Nice. I didn't have to take five suitcases by myself. But it was a, it was a whirlwind because it was a, it was a night game followed by a noon game. So I'm like exhausted at that point because the media and all that. uh, And then we flew back to Texas, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a lot, but it was fun. I mean, there's not a lot of ex- you know moments where you're like, okay, let's get on a plane and go. Yes, you know? I can. Yeah, on a whim, like let's go pack up, like meet a whole new, yeah, whole new team. And then it's sad because you know you have your friends that you've built these relationships, and they've watched our son, you know, be born and grow up a little bit, and and I've watched some of their kids be born and grow up, and so there's a lot of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too that I think when you see someone get traded, you just see a Jersey swap, but there's so much else that goes on behind it. So for a lot of White Sox fans, you know, they probably feel like you were one of our own, you know, drafted and and the story behind you making it to the bigs after the injuries and overcoming all that adversity and then succeeding and becoming a fan favorite. What was the reaction like? And what was your reception, I guess, with Miami fans and then, Jake, who was it that informed you that you were getting traded? Um, so the, fir- the, the second question of that, um, we'll, so I talked to Pedro and then I, I talked to Rick and uh, Kenny. And so they all informed me. And then uh, Kim, Kimmy called me right after that and uh, let me know. And, and Skip called me. So, um, you know, it's like a five-prong conversation, um, you know, same telling me the same thing, you know, just, uh, from different, (laughs) different voices. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I'll always remember my time in Chicago as, uh, you know, a a great, great, just part of my life. You know, I, I think obviously I had a lot of turbulence with my injury and, um, but there were so many people out there that, that supported me during that time where, um, you know, I, I feel like they, they were implement or, huge and, and get me back on the field. So, um, you know, not just from inside the organization, but also fans and, um, you know, so many people reaching out. So I, I'll always have great memories of Chicago. And um, I, I just remember it's, it's going back to the last question with the trade, like, you know, you remember talking to the security guard that's sitting outside the clubhouse and like all of the, the great conversations you have with them and, you know, the clubhouse uh, chef and, just being able to have those interactions. And so you always remember uh, those and you always remember every single uh, moment you have when, when you're in that situation. And, uh, but I, I was really pleased with how Miami uh, welcomed us. You know, obviously you're going in, you have no idea how they're going to treat you as a player, but more importantly, your, your family um, in the stands, because, you know, doesn't matter if you're in the game, in the game or not. Like they're always in the, the back of your mind, making sure um, you know. Hopefully they're safe and having fun and stuff. So, uh, but they welcomed Brooks and Ashlyn with open arms. So that was uh, really really special to see. 
mean, I felt so wanted and loved in Chicago. Like I could walk around the stadium. I could walk around guaranteed all day and talk to random people. And you still can. You're welcome to right. anytime. I will be back. Um, Just gotta I, get that lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I loved it there, and so I was really nervous to go to a new place and be like, "Oh, is anyone gonna want us here?" And the fans in Miami were fantastic. There's season ticket holders that have had tickets there forever and these families that kept coming up to us the first game and we're like we knew you was you and we're just so happy to have you and jake here and i felt really wanted and i still do i miami is a really great second home from chicago gonzo's trying to i'm muted it's once an episode he's always muted it happens (laughs) once an episode we got to start a jar where you start putting 20. (laughs) i was gonna say uh, can we stay right there and uh can you tell us like what stands out about both stadiums guaranteed and miami so you you don't get to see see much yeah (laughs) well Well, i have like yeah i have different yeah i have different well you give yours and i'll give mine I think uh, I really liked how the wind always seemed to help and guaranteed rate. Like, like no doubt about it. Like, you know, I think a, a majority of my home runs are out anywhere, but um, you know, I, I definitely felt like I had a couple that uh, I I got uh, got a little help from. Um, so I, I always loved hitting and, and guaranteed rate, and obviously my home numbers were way better than my away numbers. And so I was like, that's in the forefront of your mind. Like, Oh, I'm going to a new home stadium. Like how am I, how am I going to hit there? Um, and how is the visual and whatnot? And Miami for me, I think it's the best viewing park in, in the box by far. Um, just with the batter's eye and how the lights are like situated. I felt like I could see everything there. And I, I think I hit like almost like three thirty there and like uh, 35, 40 games. Um, and so that's, that's the two. I liked the outdoor, the weather in, in Chicago, because I do like playing in cold weather um, where I feel like I have an advantage over some guys that don't like playing in the cold weather. Um, but Miami, the, the visuals were unbelievable. Now concessions. I have no idea. <laughs> well, Chicago, I miss my horchata milkshakes. Oh, cool. those are like really good the food or my pretzels there um i like chicago just felt like home you know i know all those security guards you got a book club like i know how to get in and out all that kind of stuff so that's just the comfortability of things um i miss guaranteed rate the fireworks cuban coffee okay miami coffee is at every game which is fantastic um but they have one of the most like breathtaking skylines like you literally just see all of south beach I mean, it's beautiful there. And so, I mean, I really like that. The empanada stand, right? I go to the empanada stand every game. Mm. I came back from the end of the season a little heavier than us. But <laughs> 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 between all the coffee and the empanadas, and I mean, they have just really great food. Um, a lot going on in Miami with culture, which is kind of cool. It's a great change. Of, uh-huh. It's a really cool change of pace. Yeah. So, uh, Jake, 34 home runs this year, obviously, that's a lot. Do you have any favorites? Because I, I I was a season ticket holder in Section 161, and there's literal dents from a couple of your home runs out in the blue. <laughs> Do you got a favorite bomb this year? I have 
I have a list of five, I think. Yes. Um, wow. Yes. You got that kind of memory? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I think the most memorable one was off of Kershaw in LA, um, where I hit, I hit you, two home runs that game. Um, didn't you do that in both uniforms, though? Socks and Marlins? Yeah. I thought I, you had I both. Yeah. Both. Not a big deal. I kind of tie in the two. Um, just because I, I took Kershaw team twice this year. And, um, but the one in, in LA, it was, I think it was the first game. It was. Yeah, it was the first game I mm-hmm. played in LA. And she's from LA and her family's from LA. So, um, like diehard Dodger fans in my house. Like, my oh, mom wow. me girls over Joe every time she'd see him in the tunnel, like, yeah, freaking out. Yeah. Um, so that was really special. But yeah, I mean, I hit that one and then I hit the two run home run to tie it because we were down four two. Um, so that game is super memorable. Uh, the home run I hit off Bailey Falter, like the 118 um, one against the Phillies in the doubleheader, because I just got absolutely carved by Zach Wheeler in game one. Like, couldn't touch him. And then uh, I hit the home run off of Falter. Um, in Miami, there was one off of Kirby Yates in the eighth inning um, that took put us up one um against the Braves and it was like kind of do or die at that point like if we lost that right. it felt like we were uh on the wrong side of it um so I'll remember that one forever and then uh I guess the other like super memorable one was the uh the Bieber uh home run because typically I don't hit that pitch like typically I mean you guys have seen like I swing and miss at that pitch so much like just a slider down and away and for some reason I was just on it and took it the right field and um that was that was special and then the strider home run as well or the two or i guess that's five or six yeah yeah oh interesting no brooks home run interesting i feel like you're gonna regret that (laughs) i can't remember that yeah that well the i think because i hit one off of rich hill last like 2022 when he was at the red sox that then I hit that home run, Brooks's first game, I mean, I off of Ridge Hill too. So, yeah. The curse I'll never forget because I was like, "Yay!" at Brooks in the air right after, and he <laughs> it all over my face. Oh, no. <laughs> so I will never forget that. <laughs> was it Brooks' first game, the spring training though? Uh, yeah, when his Jake first had the, du- the double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The double yeah. home run game. Yeah, his multi. first major league. Like actual not exhibition, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at myself because I was able to get Oscar Colas's home run that game, but I never got either of the two shots either. that you had that game. <laughs> yeah, I wanted that first one because it's off Snell, and, I, and then I faced him later in the year, and he just absolutely carved. I'm like, <laughs> it's a little different in spring training. <laughs> it, um, I had a question for both of you. Um, for, for the eye pitch, I guess, perspective from a fan for, for you, Ashlyn, how did that go? And Jake, is for you, I guess, the baseball side of it. I was just curious with the hindsight after after a full season of it, what your thoughts were of it. About the eye pitch? Mm-hmm. Like the machine thing? Yeah, the machine thing, right? Or, sorry, the fa- or the the count, the pitch uh, clock, my bad. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. I like it. I mean, I've never watched a baseball game ever in my entire life until – Jake and I met <laughs> and they were really slow. So for me, I like that it's kind of a quicker pace. 
sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish this, I kind of like this, the stillness of the game. Um, but with a baby, you know, now I'm just like, yeah, let's, we got to get this wrapped up here. So. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's done a study on how many games in terms of minutes um, we, we got back and, you know, I think it, or hours, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's uh, done a study on that, but it felt like, you know, I was able to kind of unwind a little quicker um, and get to sleep a little earlier, um, albeit 30, 45 minutes, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't think there was anything, um, you know, too, too upsetting about it to me. You know, I think the, the one timeouts interesting just because you are on the pitch cock and if you're in like a 10 pitch at bat and you use it on pitch two, you're like eight straight pitches within a, you know, there's like a 30 second window. Um, so I, I don't know if I'd change something with that, but um, you know, I think, think overall it was, it was huge to be able to uh, come back and uh, you know, hang out with the family for a couple of extra minutes. Go ahead, Justin. I'll let you go next. So, uh, I do another podcast with Bad Guy Radio, and we disagree a lot. But the one thing we agreed with, Jay, we were sick to our stomach when you got traded to Miami because you were a South Chicago guy. You fit what we wanted the White Sox to look like. Um, how did you feel about the fit in Chicago? I know it was the first team you played with, but how did it initially fit for you? Yeah, I always um, will say this even from the moment I got drafted uh, before I had even played um, in Guaranteed Rate. It was just I, I felt the connection to the fans. Um, you know, I, obviously St. Louis and Chicago have their uh, rivalries and whatnot. Um, but overall, you know, I think it's uh, kind of that Midwestern blue collar uh, look. You know, I think if I was on the Cubs, I wouldn't feel as, uh, you know, as passionately about this as I do um, from a South side perspective. I appreciate that. You know, good answer. I, I, good answer. <laughs> I always felt like, uh, you know, the, the South side fans in general just kind of understood um, me and I felt like I understood them. And so um, it always felt like a, a really easy connection with the fans and uh, really easy to have conversations with the fans when I, when I did have that uh, chance to uh, speak with them. Before I ask my question, I just want to say, Jake, we don't have Isaac Guillen Jr. here with us like we normally do, but he is the man that did say that you were going to go off for 35 back in May. So uh, we got to give our kudos to uh, Junior. But um, he was off by one. He was <laughs> I got two robs. So, you know, I, I there you go. There you go. Should have been 36. Yep. It was those ones early in the spring at the rate that didn't go over that we yep. went back. But, uh, my next question for you is kind of out of left field a little bit, but um, from a baseball player like yourself, I kind of want to know what your thoughts are of the voting for the Hall of Fame. Um, would you want them to you know, get the guys in that are questionable? Um, where do you think it's at right now going forward as far as the game changing from generations? I just want to hear your thoughts of it. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, there, there's obviously – the, the cheating aspect in terms of, you know, um, whether it's sports betting or um, steroids or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think they've 
done their time in a sense. Um, you know, I think Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter of all time, steroids or not. Um, you know, I think that's kind of always a lot of guys uh, takes in the clubhouse is, is that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the current state of voting, it, it is what it is. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll change it and maybe allow uh, some guys that, that ultimately deserve it, um, you know, to, to get in. And, um, it, the voting systems are always, I feel weird. Um, you know, I think even like MVP voting, um, you know, I think should be out there in the open for who voted for who um, all the way through. So, um, you know, I think, I think it will change eventually, but I think it'll uh, take time for sure. Last question before we let you guys go. Just tell us what the uh, the next couple months looks like for both of you leading up to your report to spring training. Well, we're going to Jupiter, so it's the first Florida spring training uh, we're going to have. So it's humid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I sweat a lot. So um, you know, I, I hope we don't have the uh, trucker hats this year, or else my that'll be even more fried. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, for us, I think it's uh, we're going to try and enjoy as much as family time as we can. Um, and then, you know, I feel like you're in fast water in January where, um, you know, you're six weeks away and, uh, it's like, you feel like you're already in the season, um, a little bit at that point once the calendar flips over. So, uh, training ramps up and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just trying to enjoy as much downtime and, uh, not stressed about travel. And, uh, if Ashton can catch a flight, and all that it's more just let's hang out and uh watch some movies together and kind of chill yeah doing nothing is like really special or not having like an agenda the next day so yeah it's, it's really weird like kind of going from especially when we we were at philly and it was bananas in the wild card series and then you lose in that first day at home and you're like we do. Yeah, like it, it, and it happens every every year because you're in such a flow, and then your entire routine gets changed. So, um, you know, you come to appreciate that that quiet uh, that quiet time with each other. Yeah. Well, we hope to see plenty more sleeveless Fridays throughout the off season um, <laughs> as you continue your workouts for spring training. We really appreciate uh, having you guys on the show. Best of luck to you both. Obviously, Jake, you know that you'll be a White Sox forever. All the White Sox fans will always. There you go. See? Um, yeah, you're much appreciated on the South Side, and you always will be. Hopefully, maybe one day in your career you come back. You never know. Never know. Thank you guys again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Enjoy the rest of the offseason. You guys too. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good stuff there from the burgers. That was great. That was great. Uh, I thought it was interesting that um, – you know, he, he puts the bat down just for a little bit. I feel like every player has a little bit different um, off-season plan. Some guys just kind of grind through it year-round. Some guys take two months off, and then once January 1st rolls around, they start getting ready. It's always interesting to see what, you know, mindset certain guys have when it comes to their off-season workouts. But obviously, we wish nothing but the best for Jake. Uh, he certainly missed on the White Sox. I mean, it's not like they could use a 35 home run hitter or anything in the lineup. Yeah. Wow. I mean, their best hitter, Luis Robert, had a 700 OPS running the score position. Jake had. <laughs> you got to stop playing fantasy baseball so much. I'm doing it. I'm doing a draft right now. I'm in a draft That's right a now. Slot. He's drafting in, in December. It's a dynasty league. It doesn't matter. That's a joke. 
No. Take some time off. Like, just get <laughs> off the computer for like a day. I promise you, like, it'll open your eyes to the whole rest of the world. It's on my phone. It's not the computer. Mm. Even worse. Um, so, all right. So just not, go I ahead. Gonna say, I was going to say real quick that like. Wait, tell us why you were late, first of all, to the start of the show. Now. I, I, I had a feeling my connection was going to drop just because. You got nervous. You got nervous. The wife lately, but um, I was so happy that um, Justin's last question was about, you know, the best moments in 2023, because I was going to ask that too. But for the fact in my mind, I remembered that he went off of Kershaw. He went deep off him twice in different with different teams. And Dude, you lit up like a damn was, Christmas tree. I was stoked. <laughs> I was stoked. I was like, that, that's what I was going to get at, because that's, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to hit off that, you know, one of the best lefties out there so uh so a couple like housekeeping things i guess we got to go through um the white Sox have not been horribly active but they did announce the uh the eric fetty right i don't know why i'm thinking Mm -hmm. kyle fetty eric fetty deal today uh two years 15 million that's pretty much what the you can expect from Chris Getz and company right now. Like they're not going to go out and sign any, you know, they're not going to be any big splashes. They're not going to go out and trade for any star players. Uh, Fetty Wap, I like that. Um, but I mean, the, you know, this is the type of move that this team needs to make. Kind of like a low risk, high reward. Maybe something clicked with him. Um, I know I tweeted a few, or I guess like a week ago when that deal kind of first was reported um brian bannister who's with the white Sox in pitching development um tweeted about some of the changes that fetty had made in korea where he won the cy young or the equivalent of the cy young and the mvp so he's coming off yeah he's coming off of an incredible season you kind of have to throw what he did in his previous major league stints out the window you know his last year in 21 with the nationals was not very good but you got to give them a shot. I mean, these are the type of moves that the White Sox are going to have to make. And just to fill out this roster, because it don't look so good right now. Um, well, what was your guys' thoughts on Fetty and, and prior to that, the the Aaron Bummer trade? I think, at least on the fan perspective, the best part I've seen about this so far is, like, Brian Bannister came out on Twitter right after that signing was, you know, was posted. And he was talking with the, the White Sox fans on Twitter why they did it. And it was so refreshing from someone in the front office to come in and talk to us on a social media platform. Um, and specifically that what he mentioned about it was when he was out in Korea, um, he worked with them a little bit with that, his off-speed pitches. And for the fact that he had success with that kind of has me a little, ex- I'd say a bit excited that maybe he can have success at the pro level here in the you States. You think he could be like a good number one, number two pitcher? You know, I mean, like, uh, like Kopech. Don't do this to my be, boy. Slav, don't do this to him. I think it'd be too much to ask for, like, Clevenger. 18 wins, two, Clevenger four numbers. ERA. I think it'd be too much to ask for Clevenger numbers, but, like, if you can get, gosh, just give us some quality innings, you know. So what about what I'm if really he gives asking. us, like, Tukey numbers? Tukey was fine. fine. For, oh, what yeah. you got, for what you got out of Tukey, like, you cannot complain. But yeah. all right, realistically, what is their rotation right now? Cease for now. Fetty, yeah. Tuki, Kopech, Sor- Soroka. Oh yeah, Mike Soroka, and then Kopech or Nastrani. Um, yeah, but I think he's still got to get stretched yeah. out some more. But yeah, it's it's thin. 
I know. I don't know what Sean Burke's status is. I know he was kind of like the hot name. He was last year's Davis Martin going into 23. But, I mean, they've got some holes. They, they need some pitching. Also, I just saw the reports about Liam Hendricks talking to the Cubs. That would be a shot to the you-know-what. But <laughs> anyway. the you-know-whats. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on the trade for uh, from – Atlanta moving bummer to the Braves. Five players come back in return for the White Sox. I think quantity over quality more than likely, but I think considering what bummer's value was, that was a solid move by Chris Getz. Um, give us a scouting report, Justin Orgonzo, of, of the five players that the White Sox got back. And realistically, I think it probably makes sense for both sides. I wouldn't be surprised to see Bummer be return to being that guy with a 2.0 ERA with the Braves because you know they're just a machine. That's just what they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, the two the two biggest names was Nicky Lopez and Soroka, and you and like you said, uh, Slav, the Sox rotation is thin. So if you're gonna uh, have an opportunity to take a swing on a starting pitcher, you're gonna do that. And the White Sox have had the infinite hole at second base. So if the Braves are offering Nicky Lopez, you take that as well, essentially fixing a hole for free. Gonzo, uh, obviously there were three other players named. I have no idea. I've never met those guys in my life. I've seen Nicky Lopez twice before. Who are the other guys? Named? Northbrook's own Nicky Lopez, in case you weren't aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you got the lefty Schuster, who Junior was a huge fan of in that deal. A nice um he's i guess he's more look, known for the control of his pitches if anything um, that's a guy that was a former first rounder that they're looking by they're hoping that he bounces back for us which for me if i can just even if he sticks in your in your pen and can be a better version of a you know a chase uh, fry for example i'll take it um but altogether just did you say chase fry chase chase Jace Fry, right? Jace Fry. Oh my God, why? Yeah. He was like not very good. I'm saying if you can get a better version of him as a lefty out your ball, like not like a crochet, t- you know, crochet is probably going to be your best. Yeah, lefty, totally different like, stuff. Jace Fry yeah. was the king of the first pitch, twelve to six floating curveball. <laughs> Shout out to Jace. But like Fry, that's though. what I'm saying. Like you, you know, like a lefty in the middle of your bullpen. Like I'm not expecting much, but like what? As far as lefties go from recent history. For the White Sox, you don't see a lot of control out of them. Why are we just don't re-up with uh, Brad Hand if that's the case? I mean, look, I know a lot of us would want other lefties like, you know. You're like talking Josh about Brian Hader. Shaw. <laughs> oh, did you say Brad Hand or Brian Shaw? Brad Hand. He said lefty in the Brad bullpen. Hand. Oh. Well, they you, you don't want, you don't want Brian, Brian Shaw back? Person. Brian Shaw is the, is the new age Jimmy Cordero. Pedro Griffol's guy. You remember Sean Camp for the Cubs? He used to pitch 20 days a month. Still not as much yeah. as Jimmy Cordero. Not at all. Ricky used that man to so, a, a Tommy John surgery. That's what he did. He used him till his elbow blew up. Yeah, so we had five players in this deal. It was Soraka, Schuster, Lopez. Soroka. Soroka. Not Mike Soraka. <laughs> You know how I am. I think names. he's trying to say Frank. Rami like Tommy. From the wire. <laughs> Rami Gonzalez, who should be the starting second baseman, not Nicky Lopez. Go ahead. I'm kidding. Oh, 
Okay. And then the last two names starting second baseman. are Riley Goins, if I remember right. Was that the Illinois pitcher, Justin Goins? Yeah. I think he was from the Atlanta. And then um, is it Shoemake? I think he was the the other middle infielder yeah, in that deal. Yeah, infielder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, another, I mean, like, another guy like we, who, I mean, he, he has a ceiling there. Like, you can't go – if you're the White Sox, you can't go wrong with any starting pitchers or any middle infielders at this point. Yeah, I mean, you got to find a way to sure up the middle of the field. That's the, one of the key focuses when you're drafting, let alone, you know, with the draft coming up. But altogether, I think we can all agree with just a very good depth signing. You know those guys for Bummer. Um Ultimately, you know, going into the offseason, I was hoping that they would pair up Bummer with, like, Burke to get a quality talent that was an arbitration. What are you going to get possibly. for spare parts? That just – that's – it's not, you know, MLB 2K. Like, you just – it's not a video You're game. You're trying to get uh, David Eckstein or Hayden? I mean, we talked about it, you know, Sean last Higgins. episode with, like, Brendan Rogers, like, guys in arbitration that are, you know – they need to get paid and you know they're likely not going to get paid you know by their current team so if you can try to you know toss around some of your prospect names in your organization to get that guy like i don't see why not put a flyer in on in on him see if he hits with your team before you know you have to pay him if you're going to pay him but the fact that they got a depth signing i mean i think that goes to show us where chris gets is right now like I was so optimistic that picking the bottom of the barrel. Us, I was so optimistic that when they're talking about during the press conference that they're going to contend that he's going to be aggressive putting a team together, but really he's just stripping it down, slim pickings, and he's going to build his own court, whatever that may be coming up. So um, we're, we're we kind of sadly we're going to find out, and it's not going to be how we want to. Because you, you might see a cease trade soon. You might see maybe Luis Robert. You just don't know what you're going to get. Um, but really quick before we move on, I saw Rafa on the chat post about the real five player that we picked up, and I want to touch on this real quick. Um, go ahead, Justin. I'll allow you to take uh-huh. it away. Yeah, no, I like James Rohan too. Uh, I mean, he's had a little ERA control, but obviously he's a young guy going through the system. But once – he gets with Bannister and Bannister gets him into a situation where he just abandons the slider as a whole and just go change up cutter, uh, curveball. He'll be fine. It's just one of those. Situations. So Mark Burley. Uh, yeah, a little bit, but a little bit more velocity. So like CJ Wilson or Cliff Lee type. So you, cause it's at a point, it's a, he's a young guy with trying to throw too much stuff and none of it's getting over. And when it is getting over, it's getting pummeled because it's catching the fat part of the plate because it has to be a strike. So I think Brian Bannister is going to limit the repertoire. I think Shane Johan could be a, a diamond in a rough, to be honest with you, because at a certain point, you're going to have to, uh, in my neck of the woods, we call it hitting a lick. You have to hit a lick if you're Chris Getz because you don't have the resources available to command premium talent right now. So where are you going to find your gem? I think Drohan could be it. You just have to polish him and keep him in the incubator a little bit. Now, he does, it's not like you have to keep him in the minor leagues forever. That's not the case. Just let him clean up some things and sure, give him some run. Like you're, you're in the process of bringing Project Birmingham to life. 
as it is, why not uh, introduce him to that type of situation? Who knows? The Red Sox wasn't going to call him up. He was going to so, die in Paul Tuckett. So there was a, a scouting report from Aram Layton on Twitter. Basically, he went through all the Rule 5 picks and said, um, you know, like what their best quality was. He said Shane Drohan's got potentially the best pitch of any Rule 5 arm with his changeup. Uh, arm side fade, 23% swinging strike percentage on that. So, you know, there, there's at least a base for him to work with if he can improve his command, just like every other pitcher, uh, and fastball quality or even location, or maybe it's like a tunneling thing, just making sure that, that fastball release and the changeup look the same. Maybe there's something they can work with. But, you know, I'm always ha- – who's the last Rule 5 guy for the White Sox that, like, really panned out? Yeah, I don't know. I'm a casual. <laughs> That's yeah, that's good. kind of the point. Like, there's they. I feel like they pick one almost every year, and very rarely does oh. anyone actually. Remember the out. last guy the, we picked up the guy last yeah. year for free. He didn't even on the Giants. Players. We let him go. Uh, who was the catcher? Um, uh, Nieto, right? He he was on the team for like two years and did nothing. Uh, I think he's the most recent one that even like got considerable major league playing time. But oh yeah, and Max Stassi, good call by uh, by Rafa. Max Stassi. Hooray! Uh, something to get excited about if you're a White Sox fan. Um, good That's defensive not- catcher can't hit worth a crap, but I mean maybe he'll help the pitching staff and and throw out the That's occasional good, base runner. That, where that 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 Stassi move is not good at all. I mean, you gave up nothing for him, but yeah. he's a good defensive catcher. I mean, what does that mean for Corey Lee? Because even though Stassi, what did you good- see out of Corey Lee last year that gives you any any sort of hope other than that he has the same name as you? Bingo. That's what I'm saying. Like the White Sox make the move for Corey Lee and they're still digging through catchers and they're even scratching. Oh, you can never have enough catchers. Like they're both going to see playing time. Like Max Stassi, he's fine. I mean, he's fine. Yeah, but still, he shouldn't be commanding at bats from a guy like Corey Lee, especially when Corey Lee is trying to get to the point to where you're getting at bats in volume and but if Corey Lee's going to be a designated hitter and he's not that great of a hitter anyway. Yeah. It's rough, rough go right now for the White I don't Sox. I like when we get to this point in the show, Slob, when we start being honest and stuff. Well, that's what we got to do. Uh, it doesn't look good, man. Like this, this coming season, we're sitting here on, in the middle of December and there is not much to write home about. And if anything, your best pitcher is probably going to get traded sometime in the next couple weeks. So, look how excited Gonzo and and they canceled Sox Fest again. Shocker! I know. Look at my shock face. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I just wanted to say his name because it's a cool ass name. He's going to the Giants. Uh, did he sign with the Giants? Nope, no, not yet. No. Wasn't the report that he's not going there? Uh, didn't they sign some other guy recently? Uh, yeah, the, other, the Japanese lefty. Another Lee. No, he's Korean. And that Lee's wow. Hey, wow, Gonzo. You know what? You know what, Slav? I promise you, that Lee's good. That Lee's good. Corey Lee is good? No, the, the San Francisco Lee. Oh, yes. I mean, one Lee has to click eventually. Cliff Lee <laughs> has been the last one, I think, and... It's been it's been a little unfortunate since then for the, for the Lee clan, <laughs> all the Lees out there. I'm not having a good time actually. Uh, well, we had a great time with Jake Berger and Ashton Berger. Um, we did. How how great are they? Um, 
we'll we'll be rooting for them for sure. Uh, I feel like the Marlins might be my second team now. I always liked the the Florida Marlins, the Ozzy Miguel Cabrera like Leland team, the old school Marlins, that old logo, their colors. I was always a Marlins fan. Um, fun nerd fact: you guys know what OOTP is, right? Like the sim baseball program. So I played OOTP for forever. Um, I was always the Marlins or the Athletics. I like the small markets because then I just win. Who's and your I favorite go to Marlins all the time? Um, my favorite Marlin of all time. Jeff Conine? No, I mean. Gary Sheffield? I never really had, I guess. Uh, I did love Gary Sheffield as a kid. I never had a huge. Your Cliff Floyd? Like fandom of an individual player for them they just like all those i liked watching them beat the cubs that was fun i mean miguel cabrera i always liked miguel cabrera you know pre-tigers days um edgar renteria if i had to pick one oh actually you know what i lied luis castillo luis castillo was a bad dude faster than hell just slapped the shit out of the baseball too low key yeah and um yeah, I played a good second base. Luis Castillo was a fun, fun dude. Um, Didn't like him with the Twins, though. Dontrell mm-hmm. Willis. D-Train is a good one. Fun dude. Really cool dude. Um, so, all right, any yeah. other final thoughts? I wanted to ask a question before you talk about Otani. Um, well, what if we don't want to talk about Otani? We got to talk about Otani, man. Um, we just deferred the conversation, Gonzo. <laughs> We're not deferring. Let's go. Well, yeah, um, deferring six hundred eighty million. What yeah. you got? What would you prefer, Chris Guts to do? What's the best approach? Is it to strap it down, or would you try to be aggressive and put put something together real quick? Because I don't know how he's going to strap it down and, and like. What do you mean by strap it, it away? Like, because we saw them scrap it with Han and trading Chris Sale, you know, and we saw how Mankata. You're saying blow it up. Him. Yeah, blow it up. Okay, because you just allowed you know. I get two different. Move. I get two different feelings with strap it down and blow it up, guys. So I want you to know that. Yeah, I've never heard strap yeah. it down in this context. Especially uh, when you say blow it up, strap it down is the direct opposite of blow it up. Uh, what I mean, what choice does he have? He has nothing to work with. He doesn't have many assets. Um, they don't have a great farm system. They aren't going to spend money. What is he going to do? I don't know why this is even surprising to anybody. What what realistically did you expect Chris Getz to do? He's going to trade Dylan Cease. He's going to keep Luis Robert. They'll put together some sort of you know makeshift offense. They're going to put together a makeshift pitching staff, and they're going to be a bad baseball team. And chances are Luis Robert is going to be involved in trade rumors at the deadline. And chances are anybody else worth a shit might get traded. And there's not very many after those two. So I don't know what realistically you expected out of Chris Getz. Like, we're sitting in a hopeless situation right now with this organization. They're not going to go spend money on any major free agents. No one that's going to be an impactful player. You're not giving up assets right now to trade for an impactful player. You're not going to give up any prospects or young players. Right now, you're sitting with Dylan Cease and Luis Robert and nothing to do with either one of them. And you already missed out on Dylan Cease's peak trade value. Chris Getz is sitting on a... No. I don't know, a grenade. I I don't know. It's just... 
Yeah. No, Sorry. I put together uh, the projected payroll is like 183, 85 million with what I put Wait, together what? last Yeah, you'll have to go back to last episode and see the plan I put together. But OJ was well, stunned. okay, your He's plan, like, but the projected is not even going to be close to that with this roster. Yeah, no, I put together it was it ended at like 183, 185. But By adding who? Again, I put I broke it all down, numbers and everything last episode. Uh, but uh, I'm saying like, okay, what players are you adding? Well, my top priority, which I know like now it's clearly not going to happen, but Yamamoto was my that was But okay, I'm stop. I'm saying realistically, mm-hmm. with the team that they have, they're they're going to be closer to 100 million, maybe. Yeah. They're not no, going not, to go. They're not, not signing anybody of, worth a shit. Not realistic because of the owner. Yeah, I mean, yes, we know that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you but can throw saying, all these like, plans in in the air all you want, but it's none of it is realistic. They're going to scrape the bottom of the barrel. They're going to get the value free agents, and they're going to get whatever's left over, and they're going to put together a shit team. And at the end of the day, what I was saying was the plan that I put together only increased from last year by I think it was. 13 million but what how can you justify increasing the payroll by 13 million when you have now lost money i believe four seasons in a row you have a fan base that's pissed off to shit at everything that this team has done for the last two years maybe more um and you lost 100 games like how how can chris gets go to jerry ryan's over and say i'd like to i'd like to spread you know extend this budget a little bit to 185 Again, the plan that I put together came off of the words that the press conference has said that said that we're going to contend in 2024. And Pedro Grafol said that they were he was going to have his team prepared and they were going to play hard and not be a hundred fucking lost team. But it's all bullshit. Yeah, I, get, I get it. It's all it's all words. You know, there's no actions behind. An hour the word. six minutes and uh, Slavko hit me with the F and a B bomb. That was. <laughs> I, did you take the over? Yeah. You should have. Not a gambling man. Hmm. And well, yeah. Anywho, that's how I feel, man. I mean, Chris Getz is not—he's not running this show um, like the like someone in his title really should be. But he's also—he's strapped right now. Like there is not much that he can do. Um, if everything clicks for this team, if everything clicks, even r- like right now as constructed. If this roster, everything clicks, they still don't win ninety games. I think. I think at best case scenario, Slav, even let's just say this have a good year, eighty games is the ceiling for this team. And I'm talking about in a perfect scenario because if you look at the landscape of the American League, most of these teams got better except for the Oakland Athletics and of course the Angels. Other than that, the White Sox will be a victim to 70% of the American League. Did uh, did the Marcus Stroman thing become official? I don't know. About him and the Royals? Stop. I know Seth Lugo signed with the Royals. Yesterday. Yeah, so Stroman, um, Stroman tweeted or he put on his Instagram like the uh, some like a motto for Kansas City or something like that. I know like there's been reported interest. It doesn't look like there's anything official yet, but you sure it wasn't linking him to the Chiefs. The Chiefs probably need him to play wide out more than the Royals need him to pitch. I don't know. Can he line up on side? That's the that's the Oh, question. don't do Kadarius um, like that, man. It's a but I mean, like the Royals are in infinitely better position 
right now than the White Sox. The Twins are an infinitely and better position. Sick. The we Guardians had more wins than them last year. Slav and they're better. Like, yes. And I don't think it's even close, especially if Cease gets traded. Um, you said the Royals because of uh, Seth, Seth Lugo? No, I, because they have a bunch of young players who can actually play baseball well. I mean, Bobby Witt is better than anything. Well, maybe given Witt. his age and, contra- and and you know status, Bobby Witt over Robert, I'm, can, I might I was going to say, can we agree that Bobby Witt today is a better baseball player than Luis Robert? I wouldn't go that far. So he might, I, I'd say he's better, but besides Witt, who else are you going with? You're saying they're you're they're in, infinitely. They better have a much position. better core of young players than than the Chicago White Sox. I don't know if there there's nothing that you can even like argue there. I just don't see them that far ahead. The whole division, but they shit. are ahead. That's what that's pitcher? What, what pitcher do we have that's better? Than, that's going to be better than Cole Reagans in 2024? Assuming seats gets traded. None. Yeah, I'd say Cease until he gets traded. Yeah, so Cease wasn't better than them last year. Long term and short term, the, the Royals are in in much better position than the White Sox. And like Rafa says, Vinny Pasquantino, who actually works out in the offseason with Jake Berger, um, yeah, probably better than anyone other than Luis Robert on the White Sox. He killed the White Sox last year too, didn't he? He's coming back from shoulder surgery too. I mean, yeah. So and and they got what the number three pick. The White Sox landed at number five. It's tough times yep. on the South Side, boys. Tough times. Shit sucks. You only can tank and win it if you're the Blackhawks. We no, not even the Blackhawks. Just Bedard. <laughs> That's all we care about. Uh, all right, last thing before we get out of here: Shohei Otani, ten years, seven hundred million. It's even it's crazy to say that out loud. You feel like you've misspoken, but he did sign that deal. Um, he's making two million a year. He deferred six hundred and eighty million dollars from twenty thirty four to twenty forty three, which is genius by the Dodgers and by him. His he's set for life. He was already set for life before this deal. Uh, he is now set every generation of Otani's for the rest of eternity for life. Um, but what did you guys think about the, the contract structure and, and him choosing the Dodgers over the Blue Jays and Angels, I guess? those were, I think those were the final three, right? Well, that's where I'm like, I get it because it's the Dodgers and they can build around them. Him, Betts, Freeman. That's why I'm sure he chose them, but, I mean, he's making more money if he went elsewhere by that deferment because technically due to his visa classification, he has to for sure live in California for most part of the year. So he's, he's going to have to pay that taxes in California. So, but he's only paying it on $2 million, not $70 million, right? This is where I'm not a financial advisor because I don't know how that – Deferment. Oh, now you're not over a his career, advisor. right? Okay. You see him throwing hands up. Oh, I just tax season. I can't go to Gonzo for shit. <laughs> I just know that dude, dude, that visa classification, he has to be there for the most part of the year, so he can't. Spoken like a, a lot of the people. Agent. A lot of people talk about him. Not you know, it, he's got the option to you know, he doesn't have to live in California, but that's that's not the case. That's not. 
he's a very uh, his background. He's very specific to why he has to be here for a reason. So, are you surprised he chose the Dodgers? Not surprised by it, but I mean, I wanted him to go to the Blue Jays personally. I'm tired of the Dodgers. Hoping, like good for the hoping. Dodgers, but I'm tired of the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm with. But they you. do have likable dudes. Like you, Mookie Betts is likable. Otani's likable. Freddie Freeman's likable. Um, Bellinger, when he was there, likable. I mean, Kershaw, likable. Other than, yeah, they just got likable dudes. Jay, were you surprised about Otani? No, not at all. Uh, Did you pick him in your fantasy draft? Do you have him on your dynasty team? No? No, I actually didn't have a first-round pick in this year's draft. I'm playing the long game. Um, But... (laughs) I Is think, it because you picked Yohan Moncada in the first round last year? I'm not doing that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. By the way, uh, anybody listening to this podcast, Yohan Moncada is on the trading block. I understand it's December 13th. He is on the trading block. You're um, talking about in your fantasy league? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, you don't have to pay him $25 million in, in the fantasy league, but in real no, life, No, no, no. Actually, I don't pay him at all. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, but uh, no, on to the Ontani thing. It's, it was weird to me because it was like you went down the street and then you went down the street with a, an extreme discount. So I'm thinking, right, he believes that the Dodgers give him the best chance at glory. 100%. Like th- this move shows me that Otani is ready to run the table. Because he could have went to the Yankees for probably a bigger bag. He could have went to my step team, the Red Sox. What allured him to the Dodgers other than Mookie and Freddie? I mean, they've been a very competitive team, and they've been a World Series favorite for most of the last decade. You know what's nasty? They have a hole in left field and in the rotation. And with the Otani deferred money, they could just get fouled, bring Bellinger back, get Yamamoto, win 400 World Series. We could be on the verge of forgetting about Sandy Koufax, Jackie Robinson, all of that if Otani wins three straight World Series. I mean, he's he's got to he's got to pass Kershaw first. I mean, I still got Kershaw above him in the in the pitching world, especially obviously with Dodger legends. Uh, yeah, but yeah, cra- crazy that he ended up. I was I was surprised he stayed in L.A. Uh, when I saw that the Blue Jays were a finalist, I really thought that he would pick them because now you have an entire country. Actually, you would have two countries rooting entirely for you. Um, Three. Who's the third? Uh, Japan, Canada, and U.S. Well, I'm, but not everyone in the U.S. is going to be rooting for him. I'm saying, like, if you play for the Blue that, Jays... According to that baseball reference of our country, it's like the whole country was basically. Oh, you're talking about just by searching him? Well, even just searches, like, I mean, I think everybody in baseball, like, I mean, and we saw that on the world stage. Like, we were all watching the World Baseball Classic, that, you know, the championship game with Japan, U.S. Like, I cheered when he punched out. Bro, and, and a lot of people was on the internet trying to downplay that moment, like, oh, this game don't count. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious right that now? That was a huge moment in baseball history, in my opinion. This is the closest you get to a video game dream scenario right, right. now. Not only mm-hmm. is these the two best players in the world, these guys are teammates. Right. 
and it was for the game on the line in the championship for the like world right it's like it's like um when you're a kid, right, and you're playing in the backyard, it's like, all right, bases loaded, game seven of the World Series, three two count. I'm up to pit. I'm up to bat. Like that was pretty much the scenario. Like it was mano a mano. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, also like seven hundred million dollars. Why be a billionaire when you can be a millionaire? Um, it's crazy, man. Like. We're we're on the verge of seeing our first billion dollar sports contract. Like it's going to come soon. The next soccer player who is like the next Messi or or Ronaldo, like that's going to happen. And then eventually, probably I would say by 2040, if you know, some if Colson Montgomery or Bobby Witt or whoever blows up to just like run the show, they're gonna get a billion dollar deal from someone. That's going to be crazy. We know it won't be Jerry Reinsdorf from the White Sox, though. I was going to say, can you imagine Brian Ramos getting a half a billion dollar deal? Can you imagine a $100 million deal? <laughs> Neither can Jerry. All right. That's that's all I got for tonight. I'm spent. I got no more jokes. Yeah, I'd say that's a good first episode with uh, Burger. Slav is back. Final thoughts? Anything? Anything? Well, Shout well, out to I'm- the Burgers. Yeah, I get I get a year older tomorrow. Uh, I've been spending the last couple of weeks reflecting and how like blessed I have been to be in this position to talk baseball with you guys and Bad Guy Radio. Like we every day I see on Twitter people complain about the White Sox and yada yada yada. Like it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're still gonna watch. We're still gonna be fans. You're just complaining about. Your mm-hmm. expectations not being met. If your mm-hmm. expectations were real, maybe you wouldn't be feeling as sour as me and Gonzo. But me and Gonzo aren't realistic fans. We are, in fact, homers. So I'm going to wish myself a happy birthday. Happy belated birthday to the lovely Asia, the love of my life. Uh, she got older, too, Tuesday. And I'm just going to celebrate another Chicago Bears win uh, Sunday, Slavko. And we are, in fact, in the hunt. And I'll leave you with that. Um, I do have one final thought. I was at the Denver Nuggets game last night uh, here in Chicago. And I am very upset at NBA officiating for fucking ruining the night that I had planned with my dad. We were going to sit out there and watch the the greatest Serbian basketball player of all time go out there and whoop some bull's ass. And he got ejected because some punk referee couldn't take a little heat. A no technical ejection. Just straight tossed him. Wow. Like, so here's – I tweeted about this earlier. In the NHL, the referees give as much shit to the players as the players give the refs. So if a player starts chirping at a ref and blah, 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 like the ref will just straight up tell him, like, fuck off. Like, get your ass in the fucking penalty box. Like, they – they do not hold back. And I love that about the NHL. You look at a, a referee wrong in the NBA, you get a technical foul. Um, and the fact that what Draymond Green did and what Nikola Jokic did, both warranted ejections, is absurd to me. Anywho. Um, how, many, how many years did that guy have in the NBA? He's a pretty young. He's a pretty young official. I want to say he was like 31 years old. And honestly, it was weird. We were sitting before the game, and I'm looking up on the video board, and there they just had the, the three referees just like posted. And for some reason, I was just like, 
subconsciously, I was just like really in tune with like who the refs were. I don't know why. It's not like I was expecting anything to happen, but I was just like, for some reason, I just caught myself in that moment. Like, why do I care who the referees are? Very soon after, it became very apparent to me that I should have cared. Anywho. I just, um, I just hope it's not, you know, he's just not trying to make a name for himself by doing it like that. Like, Well, the fact that I know his name, it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. So um, has he, did he reach Air, uh, Angel Hernandez level yesterday? So? No, not, not, well, I mean, among Serbs, yeah, Serbs are like, <laughs> they're going to put a hit out on him. I mean, shoot. There was like 5,000 Serbs at the game. Like, no joke. There was a lot, myself and my father included, and we were not happy, satisfied customers. National Basketball Association, figure it out. That's all I got. Gonzo, that final words. Anger. That was quite the anger I've seen from Slav in a hot minute. Um, yeah, that's not good. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, happy birthday, Jake, by the way. Sorry, I should have just started by that. Like, happy birthday. No, that's okay. Thank you, pal. I don't want to see Justin get older, but here we are. All right. I'm going to shout out my one and only Soraya, um, as I always do. And before I forget, I also want to shout out our playoff contestants in the Blackout Show League. Yeah, they sure. Are, they are as follows. <laughs> Justin's uncle, myself, Nick is in there. KG was in the chat. He's in the playoffs facing Nick. Dre is facing our boy Justin here. And Russ is going up against Ray the Barber. So that is our playoffs. And unfortunately, Juan Montenegro and OJ did not make it. And I almost choked out of the playoffs with three weeks Gonzo, ago. Gonzo, you're a racist. I made it. How yeah. come the two Venezuelans yeah. didn't make it? Hmm? You'd have to ask them. I got some words for you. Gonzo DeSantis. <laughs> uh, last thing, shout out to Kevin and Rafa for being active on the chat tonight. Um and for joining us on the stream. Thanks to Ashlyn and Jake Berger. Uh, thanks, Ozzy Gian Jr., for absolutely nothing other than Damn. having us on his YouTube page. <laughs> uh, but Jay, Gonzo, good stuff as always. And thank you all for watching and listening to The Blackout Show. We'll see you next time.